0: aperitivo in venice singani in bolivia and chicha in colombia this week it's all about cocktails traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes tasty beverages and interesting experiences this is the destination eat drink podcast on the radio misfits podcast network I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the place for food and travel all over the world at DestinationEatDrink.com, on the Destination Eat Drink YouTube channel, and here on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. And this week, we're talking cocktails from all over the world, from the U.S. to Italy to Bolivia and Colombia. But first, let me give you some big news Destination Eat Drink has been named a finalist for Best Lifestyle Podcast in the annual Taste Awards. It's a very prestigious award, and I'm very, very honored to be selected as a finalist. And the winner will be determined by listener voting. So if you like the podcast, please vote for us at thetasteawards.com and click on Viewer's Choice Voting. I've also got a link in the show notes. And thank you very, very much. Okay, I'm ready to get my cocktail going, so let's drink. Destination, eat, drink. Monica Cesarato is a foodie tour guide and author from Venice, Italy. She's an expert on aperitivo culture and even wrote a book about Bacari, the small bars in Venice where you get little plates called Cicchetti and drinks. She tells me about aperitivos in Venice.
1: Well, uh, aperitivo rhymes with the best moment of the day for locals. So, you know, (laughs) we (laughs) usually enjoy a good aperitivo uh, after 6 p.m. So when people, uh, before coming back home from a long working day, you get your moment, it doesn't matter if you are alone or with someone else, uh, you like to keep that time, 30, 40 minutes, one hour for yourself and just release the stress of the day uh, with a nice uh, drink and some appetizers. But the term itself, aperitivo, uh, derived from the Latin aperitivus, uh, passed through the French aperitif. And indicates the function of a liquid uh, uh, which, as uh, curated medical studies have uh, shown, opens the stomach thanks to bitter tasting uh, substances and it prepares for good digestion. So it's something that you always have before a proper dinner. It's just the moment before the dinner. So actually, it's always food o'clock in Italy. You start with (laughs) breakfast at home. Then you go with the second breakfast before starting your working day because it's nice to say ciao to your favorite barista and do a little bit of chit chat. Yes. Uh, Then for sure, you're going to have some other coffee along the day with your colleagues because having a coffee is a, a way of socializing. So coffee is more than just coffee for us. Then you have lunch. And then you have the sweet afternoon snack, and then you have the aperitivo, and then you have the dinner. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a, busy, it's a busy, long day for Italians.
0: <laughs> Plan your whole day around this, around all of these big events that happen during the day. Exactly. And one of the last ones is the aperitivo. And... You know, the, the thing that I notice is, you know, you go anywhere in Italy and you get an aperitivo and maybe you'll get like a little cup of potato chips or a little dish of olives. But in Turin, you can have very fancy aperitivo um, to go with your drink. In, in other words, some nice food spread set out for them. What kinds of things might we eat with our with our drink?
1: Yeah, well, um, let's say that in Italy, the modern aperitif was established at the end of the 18th century with the spread of vermouth. So, um, vermouth was born in 1786 in Turin when the herbalist Antonio Benedetto Carpano, in his nice workshop in the very center of the city, combined wine with an infusion of herbs and roots. Well, that was a huge success because he just sent his laboratory's his workshop was uh, right in front to the Turin Palace. So he just sent some bottles to taste to the king. And, well, it was a huge success due to the favor of King Vittorio Amedeo III. You know, if you had the blessing, of a king, uh, your products for sure <laughs> could uh, become a huge success because kings and queens were the best influencers brand in the time. Yes. So if, if kings say this is a good product, well, <laughs> then for sure you could score like crazy. So um, it, the, the vermouth is the most representative. Uh, Uh, drink uh, in Turin, and it's a very special uh, uh, and complex uh, uh, drink uh, because of this uh, very special uh, combination of uh, herbs and roots, uh, very kind of magical recipes, Uh, you know, there are some very, very a sort of esoterical rules uh, uh, behind the, the recipe of uh, of a vermouth. So this fortified wine can really give you an amazing, amazing experience if you are a, a person who like to taste. Many ingredients and with a good vermouth, you can really taste all the the spiceness, the sweetness. Uh, um, It's, it's a very complex uh, and uh, you have to be open for uh, a vermouth experience, but it's something that very, it's very representative uh, of Turin and it's something that we love to share especially when uh, we run our uh, Turin uh, wine and dine experience, Uh, we start with the special selection of the best uh, uh, vermouth from Turin for different uh, red vermouth and two white vermouth from different uh, houses. And along with the, the vermouth, we in Turin, especially in Turin, we love to not just serving uh, uh, patatine, chips, uh, and olives, uh, but so many different type of mini dishes. So if you have a beautiful, if you are really joining a very beautiful, uh, high-quality aperitif, then you have uh, some uh, canapé and uh, some delicious mini cold and warm dishes so it becomes almost actually it's almost itself like a dinner uh you almost don't need to have a dinner <laughs> later uh, even if we do that if we have it but i've, you I've done this in turin
0: list. i've had an aperitivo had the had the food with the aperitivo and i was like i don't, I don't think i can have dinner after this this is gonna be <laughs> it <laughs> you know Jessica Baumgart is the brains behind Delicious Denver Food Tours. She tells me about cocktails in the Mile High City, including the Butter Pecan Old Fashioned.
2: We have everything. So we have, you know, the, the classic cocktails. One of my favorite uh, drinks in the city is a Butter Pecan Old Fashioned at a place called Urban Farmer downtown. I love that spot.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, How do they make that?
2: It's really interesting. They take... um Amaro Nonino, and they wash it over butter pecan. So they end up having this beautiful byproduct, which is like this boozy pecan that they use in the adult style granola. And then they take the Amaro Nonino and work it into the the old fashioned. So it's uh, like a Woodford Rye drink, but it has this really smooth, nice finish um, for people that are you know not really big on on rye drinks. But that's one of my favorite cocktails in the city. We have a lot of places that. You know, one of my favorite cocktail bars is called Poca Lola Social Club, and it's, um, it's inside the Maven Hotel, which is actually where the cast and crew of Top Chef stayed when they filmed, um, our season Top Chef Colorado, uh, here across Denver. But Poca Lola Social Club is one of those, craft cocktail bars that i always sit at the bar and i always go dealer's choice so i'll always mm. talk with a bartender about what i like what i don't like and then every cocktail is unique and interesting so we've we've got a lot across the city we have um you know some original places and then we have like second locations um for some big cocktail bars death and co is a really uh, popular um, co- cocktail bar that got started in manhattan Um, And then expanded out to Denver. So we have their second location inside the Ramble Hotel, which is up in Rhino as well.
0: Shafik Medji is a travel writer who's been around the world. His latest book is his travel memoir called Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia. He tells me about some drinks in this South American country. One of the places that really interests me was a place called Oruro. Is that the correct pronunciation?
3: Oruro, yes. Yes, it is.
0: And I'm fascinated by these sort of British outposts around the world, you know, like Gibraltar, where they try to create a little, you know, a little bit of England right there in the middle of Spain or uh, in certain places in New Zealand as well. When we were there, it's like they're they're trying to make a little British town. Is Oruro similar to this? And do they have are there British dishes that we can get in the middle of Bolivia?
3: I'd say there, 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 were, there were echoes. There were echoes of the British influence in in Aruro. I mean, it's it, it's this this is a um, it was it was a tin mine in town, so it, it kind of rode the boom of the nineteenth century. I think it was called the. Um, Nicknamed the Chicago of, of Bolivia for a time. And it attracted, you know, it, it was quite a cosmopolitan place for, 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 for a long time. And it attracted people from around the world, uh, including, including, uh, you know, a, a, a number of, um, British traders, railway engineers, because it's also on the railway line. Um, and, and you had an awful lot of people who just arrived hoping to strike it rich. You know, from, uh, from, from the, from the mineral wealth. Um, and you can still see some of, some of, some of that, that, that influence in the, in, in the town today. There's kind of the old clubs that they would, they they would go to that are now faded, but very atmospheric places to, to visit. Now, I mean, arguably the, the, you know, the, 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 the longest lasting legacy, um, according to local legend. So there's some dispute about this, but according to local legend, they created the Chuflai. Which is uh, really the national drink of Bolivia. So that's a it's a potent mix of uh, singani, uh, which is a type of aguardiente, a type of type of brandy. Uh, so it's a mix of that and and lemonade. So now, if you go across Bolivia, you know you will uh, you, you you will have that drink. And and reputedly, because you know obviously the British are big drinkers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, reputedly that's that's one of the longest lasting kind of. Um, Impacts of this, uh, you know, the, the, this few decades where where, where you, you you had a lot of British and other and other nationalities um, flocking through this high altitude, quite remote part of uh, of of Bolivia. This chufly drink that,
0: I, that I'm not familiar with um, sounds simple, simple ingredients, easy to make. Mm. Um, would you find this you said national drink? So it must be available all over Bolivia. Are there any Different twists, or you know, different ingredients, or different ways that uh, it it would be used that we might see it somewhere in in the country.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's Singani, which is which is the which is the alcohol behind, it's the aguardiente behind this. You find this across Bolivia, and actually, it it, it has a lot in common with um, if you're familiar with pisco, which is yes. from neighboring neighboring Peru. And also neighboring Chile. That's a very contentious issue that I won't get into here. We can save that for another time. But it's, you know, and there's the equivalent in, um, you know, you have agua diente in Argentina as well. And it's kind of, I mean, the origins of the drink are essentially it's, it was when, when the, you know, the, the, you know, Spanish Catholic Church arrived over and needed, um, you know, and needed wine for, you know, for, for religious services and mass. And so they kind of created their own, you know, they brought over grapevines and, uh, you know, and that gave birth to both the wine industry and also, um, uh, uh Singani. But so Singani, you find a kind of across, across, um, Bolivia. And really it's kind of, it's a very, um, you know, it, you can you can use it with lots and lots of drinks. It works well with mixes. It's also, I mean, the finest stuff is very nice to drink to drink neat as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's something you get absolutely across the country. And did you say what it's distilled from? So it's a, it, it's a it's like a grape brandy essentially. Okay,
0: okay so yeah. maybe similar to a grappa.
3: Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, lots of lots of countries have their own their own kind of version of this but um yeah yeah for, for listeners who haven't come across it you can get it you can get it in the states um the the uh the film director steven soderberg hmm. i believe when he was filming um uh, i think one of the che Guevara films right, right. in bolivia got a taste for it and i and i believe he uh, he he has his own brand now but it's, it's it's very much like uh pisco it's very much that that's and, and it works in in similar ways so if you can get your hand on the bottle yeah Experiment a bit with it.
0: Laura Hernandez Espinoza, along with her mother, runs the world famous restaurant Leo in Bogota, Colombia. She tells me about chicha and chicha cocktails. Let's talk about drinks a little bit because you're the sommelier at Leo. But sometimes when I think of sommelier, I think, okay, they're going to be pairing the wine with my dish. But what you do is so much more complex than that. Talk to me about. How you approach the role of sommelier at Leo?
4: Yeah, well, um <laughs> I think every invention comes from um the need of um in this case of not having wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colombia is um it's a tropical country, so um culture is not uh, something that um it's a, it's in our genes um we produce the best cacao we produce the best coffee uh, we have more than 365 fruits uh, so you can have one uh, different fruit each day of the year um, but we don't have wine and i'm a wine lover i have to say um, but also in this process of pairing and harmonizing these dishes, these preparations that were very um, rich in exotic flavors. Also wine wasn't always the best option. So I started mm, conceiving this co-evolution, this this, um, biological traditional pairing between us, Europeans has always uh, been doing, you know, comparing, uh, an albariño with a uh, with vieiras with scallops or um you know a a, a bourgogne with a cocovan it's, it's same here so uh, i started to see that there was so much similarity and so much cohesion co- between uh, and coherence no between um between ingredients and uh liquids from uh, the different territories so yeah that's how I came up with La Sala de Laura is one of the two spaces in Leo and it's also the liquid proposal um in Leo and it's it's a quest to exalt the beverage is seen in Colombia you know um and um and it's a beverage proposal that uh, it's based on ingredients from different ecosystems such as the foothills, the mountain, the desert, the forest, the Paramo, which is the high Andean mountain um, ecosystem, 3,500 meters above the sea level. And the humid forest, you know, um, I like to give uh, this distillates like uh, this distillate is like uh, how I managed to um, put in a bottle how I believe a territory and ecosystem tastes like. And um, also, well, I work with a lot of um, uh, indigenous communities that are artisans uh, with beverages like Contra, which is a medicinal drink from the Senues in Sucre, or the essential Viche from the Afro-Pacific region, uh, and fermented drinks, fermented drinks like, like honey, um, meat, for example, like coca leaf fermented, like uh, from hagua fermented, which is an Amazonian fruit, uh, boroho, naidi, uh, all those are uh, endemic fruits that um, uh, usually you can find a fermented version, like a wine, we call it a wine. It's, of course, it's not a wine because it comes from grapes especially, but uh, in Colombia we call them wine, like guava wine and uh, acai wine and gulupa wine. (laughs) And and I use this as an inspiration for uh, creative mixology, but linked to the Colombian territory.
0: Yeah, because what is wine but just fermented fruit? And that's exactly what you're talking about, which is fermented fruit. Um, Staying on the fermented topic for just a moment, Laura, do you have, uh, I'd I'd say the the one South American drink that I'm most familiar with, because a friend of mine used to make this, is uh, chicha. And I'm wondering if you have uh, chicha on your menu at leo
4: of course i do uh, i (laughs) mean of course (laughs) i have to i have to because it's the most emblematic drink is a common denominator um to all territories ecosystems cultures in colombia um and i do pair uh, very rural preparation uh, in, in the tasting menu at La Sala de Leo. And I pair it with a chicha, with a corn chicha that is not even um, made in the restaurant. It is a recipe from a lady that's been doing it for 50 years already. So uh, we work together in a slight mm. version. Because you know chicha sometimes is a little bit uh, heavy and, and 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 dense, so we work in a in a light um, version of it. Uh, and yes, it's is is a must.
0: <laughs> I'm going to tell you one thing about uh, chicha, my experience with chicha, Laura, and that is, and you might find this horribly off um, for from traditional chicha, but I used to two things about chicha. One is. I used to take chicha and make a um sorbet out of it, a frozen sorbet out of it. But I also used to love to take home some chicha, and I would make a cocktail with it with uh, vodka. and i always I always thought vodka and chicha went went really well together,
4: lovely, Of course. Of course, it goes well. Um I love chicha, you know, it's in our DNA. Um, And it's something that I really value and also like to promote. And I also like people to understand the um, ancestral importance that Chicha has, not only uh, for Colombia, but for Andean people.
0: Okay, that's Laura Hernandez Espinosa. What great work she does in Bogota at the restaurant Leo. And her foundation as well. If you haven't heard the full interview with Laura, I have a link in the show notes, along with links to episodes from all my other guests this week. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we are in Switzerland for chocolate, stinky feet cheese, and a terrifying bike accident. Don't worry. Everyone's okay. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about a coffee drink in Portugal with a shot of fire water. You can read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. I also just released a brand new video. It's about something called reverse culture shock. We've been living in Portugal now for over two years, and going back to the US is often strange. So I made a video about a few of those reverse culture shocks. You can see that by clicking on the video tab at DestinationEatDrink.com or by going to my YouTube channel at DestinationEatDrink946. And remember, please vote for DestinationEatDrink in the 15th annual Taste Awards. You can do that at TasteAwards.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes. And thank you very, very much. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla, who created a chicha cocktail with scotch, except he left out the chicha. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.